Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour. Today, I have the eminently talented and fantastic Miss Christina Nava, writer extraordinaire, producer extraordinaire, mother extraordinaire. <laughs> she is here to share some fantastic behind-the-scenes information in regards to a, a variety of different projects she's been involved with over the years. I'm super excited. Please help welcome her. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ken, for having me. I love the title. Uh, Everybody loves pudding. I really do. <laughs> that's, that's that's the thing. We, we, we are all about things that bring people together, and food brings people together more than anything else, it seems like. And who doesn't love pudding? And then I get all the people, I, know. I don't like pudding. It's like, I find What's it. your favorite pudding? Uh, right now, it's butterscotch. It tends to, to move around uh, a little bit. I was on tapioca for a while, but... Uh, uh, that every time I say that, people look at me like I'm 80 or something. And it's like, eh. no, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> so I just wanted to start um, with a little. I get really excited when I talk to people that are able to bring kind of perspectives that we don't always get to see uh, in our everyday lives. And I saw, you know, you're from uh, Los Angeles, but you also spent a good amount of time in in Mexico. I was wondering what it was what it was like to be able to have that kind of multinational history that that exposure to be able to kind of inform how you developed. Um that's a great question. So I I mean I I was born here and then uh went back for like the first 3 years of my life and then we came back and just stayed in Los Angeles. Um, but I would go and visit my cousins all the time. And it was interesting because I would always have an accent when I would go back and talk in Spanish with an accent. And so they would make fun of me. But um, and, uh, so I would always go. And so I was always, you know, straddling both worlds. And so when, um, you know, I, I, I get to I got to write a project in Mexico. And that was um, really fun because it really it's on the wall. We're not here to talk about it, in other words, but in other words, was an opportunity to really highlight the beauty of Mexico. And this is, you know, in one of the, the like Napa of Mexico, Valle de Guadalupe. So um, I love that I'm able to to tap into both worlds. You know, it's um, I, I, uh, I definitely have to do a little more research when talking about Mexico because I don't go as much as I'd like to now. Right. And so, um, but I, you know, I, I was there for like two months interview. I mean, I'm doing research on like Fidel Castro and when he was there and I was like 28 when I got to do that and, um, in his short stint and, um, our time in, in Mexico before he took off to Cuba. Um, so it's really fun. I just, uh, I've been able to, you know, I'm able to do that. I I'm bilingual and, and I love that. I, I just love the ability to be able to tap into these, these two cultures. I've always kind of been, uh, in a certain amount of awe of being able to speak multiple languages because I barely speak the one. And, oh. uh, <laughs> it's, it just seems like another, another piece of connective tissue that just gives you gives you a certain amount of uh, uh, a certain amount of beneficial information and impact and and just being able to kind of feel something that you wouldn't normally get to feel if you just had the the one um, 
So I also saw that you at one point were a middle school teacher. Oh, yeah. I was a middle school teacher for 16 years. And that was up until five years ago. And um, so I would actually, as an indie filmmaker, teachers have wonderful vacations. Um, That's the part that I really loved. I'm obviously, but um, we were, they were, they, and I worked really hard, but these vacations were about, you know, two and a half, three months. And so I would, um, I would write during the year and then pre-produce. And then I would do my projects on my teacher vacations. But um, yeah, that was interesting. You know, uh, it, it was, you know, it was, it was just, it was, it was work, but honestly, like that has dictated a lot of like, I feel like I produce like a teacher. (laughs) I I give a lot of love. There's a lot of candy involved, but I'm very organized and there's a lot of worksheets. (laughs) Little little stickers, little star stickers. Yeah. Everyone gets a sticker. (laughs) I was actually going to ask what was harder uh, teaching middle school or writing screenplay. Oh, geez. Teaching middle school. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Without it. Don't even have to think about that one. Was it hard to step away once you had been doing that for so long? Finally, okay, you know, I, I'm going to pursue this thing. But you've got, uh, you know, over a, over a decade of just seeing people progress and blossom and helping them become better. It's Was that difficult? You know, it was, it was, I had been wanting to make the leap for a long time. Um, My passion has always been writing. And then I produced indie films because kind of I had to do them. And, you know, if I wanted to make, I wanted my projects made. And I had been wanting to do it for a while. And I tried to do it. I tried to do it once. And then I had to go back. Um, It really is. It came down to money. But I'm a, I was a really good teacher and I loved what I did. I was I was also teaching not only English, but also film at one point. So I was able to share with my students my passion. Um, so by the time I made that leap, it really um, it happened one summer when uh, my uncle passed away and uh, he had he'd been battling cancer and we got the phone call and I drove out there to Fontana and you just, you know, those moments you're like, life is too short. And what am I waiting for? Like I, you know, I, my husband was saying, do with this, do this. And, and so it was two 30 in the morning. I drove back. And before I lost my courage, I wrote the email to the principal and I said, I'm sorry, I can't, I, I can't do this. I can't go back. And so, um, it was the middle of the summer and, you know, I, I just, I didn't look back. And I and, and you know there's that there's that scene in Jerry Maguire right when he gets the strength at night and he writes this email. That's I kept thinking <laughs> that I'm like I don't want to wake up and I better make sure this is good. But I didn't have that moment of regret. Like that's awesome. I think and, and once I did that, I feel like a lot of like doors started opening when I really committed to what I think my calling is. Yeah, that's that's got to take a, a a lot of a lot of. Um nerve <laughs> to just to lay it out there and and okay we're gonna see what happens yeah because this is not very um you know teaching you get a stable paycheck once a month i had i have three children that i was supporting 
not supporting by myself, my husband and I, but I was, you know, the ins- medical insurance was on under my, my job. And there was just a lot at stake. It wasn't, I, it wasn't just about me, but I had the support of my husband and I, who's I work with uh, all the time, Patrick Perez Vidaudi. And he, you know, and so I, I made that leap and it was not easy. And so I would say like, really, you need your, you need your support. You need your support. Now, as a teacher, I've, I've known a number of teachers and they all have slightly different styles uh, in the way that they go about things. And I noticed another thing that just a little, little tidbit there that you at one point used film as a form of visual uh, text to help with reading comprehension. Ooh, you really dug in there. Yeah. Um, I have a master's degree in education. This was one moment where I thought, okay, I'm really going to like dig into education. I'm going to abandon my art. I'm not going to do this. And in my master's in education, my thesis, I used film <laughs> in, in it. So, but it was really interesting in it. Um, I do wish that like I was able to, I don't know, write a book about it or whatever, but um, I, I taught kids who were reading at a lower level. And so the comprehension for them needs sometimes isn't there because they're struggling with reading. And so we ended up using back then the Watsons go to Birmingham was like my test study. And, um, we read the book and then, yeah, the kids had a better understanding when we connected, like, like if we were focused on theme, they we focused on the visual like we watched the movie and then talked about it and they they did amazingly like it just really elevated it it really brought it home for them the comprehension their scores were higher etc so yeah i mean i found a way to uh to connect with film all the time so funny do you think that that in any way has connective tissue to the way that you write currently because you've had that that approach to being able to get information from it, the source to be absorbed by the audience, essentially, has does that kind of transcribed itself into the way you approach things now? I, I would say that I I do think so because um, you know I I focus a lot on structure when writing the structure the like kind of Hollywood structure. Um, in, in my movies and um, it allows me to just go deeper, a little bit deeper. And when I'm even interviewing people, if I'm on a, on a project, like I'm, I'm more focused on like, okay, let's try to find the thesis of this. You, it is, I do approach it a little bit more with a little bit more layered. I think maybe people do it as well, but I, I, I do think in that, in that way as well. And I think it does, it is dictated by, what I was doing for 16 years. Makes sense. So you're, you're ready to create the next big movie. You've got to start on the script. What is the location? What is the place that you do your best work? Are you a, a person that works in solitude? Do you work better when you have people out and about around you? Do you just kind of, as the day goes, oh, I've got to take a moment and write this bit down. How do you create your stories? That's a great question um, because because I kind of came into this so late, I don't have time for inspiration to hit. <laughs> you know, I don't have the luxury of um, waiting for inspiration, uh, which is, I mean, it. so 
I have set, I will set time mostly in the morning because I found that I am most productive in the morning by the end of the day, like, you know, the the kids, uh, there's dealing with the kids and the husband and the bills and the this and the that. So in the morning, I like waking up early, getting a cup of coffee and then, um, and then writing. And, um, but at the same time, I will be driving and, you know, boom, like something will hit and I pull out my phone and I push um, a voice memo and I, and I write it down. And then the next morning when I wake up, I will go ahead and I, I uh, incorporate it into my writing. But uh, yeah, yeah, I I have to, you, I think I have to be disciplined. That makes sense. I've, I've had similar experiences when I've been in the car and then just something hits, but usually it results in me having to get out of the car and talk to the person that hit me in the first place. You're so silly. Um, Well, you know, all I got is bad jokes. At least that's what what I've been told by my wife a few times, a few thousand. Bad jokes are my jam. (laughs) So everybody has an impact, a, a source that influences their style, whether it be uh, traditional writers, playwrights, whatever. Who do you feel has impacted your work the most? Wow. Okay. Um. Well, as I would say that when in growing up, when I was growing up, excuse me, I was really influenced by sitcoms, and um, and then also John Hughes, and and I. You know, um, now I've been writing a lot more comedies. And for me, I I was really influenced by those, um, like the filmmakers of the 90s, John Hughes. And then also just growing up, you know, I mentioned that I had left for three years. Um, when I was born, we were in three years in Mexico and then we came back. Well, I feel like I assimilated through sitcoms, you know, like The Cosby Show, A Different World, Family Ties, all of these. And so not only did I assimilate and I wanted to kind of be like these characters, you know, go to college, be independent, have a wonderful family that, you know, like the Cosby's and that knew all these artists that, but uh, John, you know, like John Hughes and all that. So I feel like those were my influences. And when I write, like, um, I will go back to the comedy, those, that comedy, you know, or, or, or uh, Lucille Ball, like you can oh. see a lot of that in divorce bait. Um, that we really, that kind of physical comedy that little, we incorporated. A little slapstick. Totally. Yeah. I have to agree with you. As soon as you mentioned a different world, I got a flashback to my college days where I actually had a set of the Dwayne Wayne flip up sunglasses. Uh, yes. I oh did not goodness. look nearly as cool in them as, as <laughs> that actor did. But uh, well, very few people could pull that off. <laughs> I, I do have to. <laughs> um, I also kind of wondered about this. A lot of times, most people have a very strong division between their home life and their work life. And you have work with your husband regularly. What is it like to kind of share so much with uh, with this special person? Does it change any of the dynamics sometimes, whether it be at home or on set? Is it weird? Or is it just like, this is it. This is the best. I get to work with this person that I wanted to spend my life with anyway, and it's awesome. 
it, um, it is challenging for sure, you know, and I, I feel like um, especially probably the first few projects, um, but his thesis film, uh, I met him and he was he was finishing um, grad school and his these I wrote his thesis film like or it was a it was a short film that I had written and he liked it. And um, I and that's the first project I ever produced. And we that's when, you know, we didn't kill each other. It wasn't perfect, but we worked it out. So then that's how we knew we could we could work together and be, and get married. Nice. But it, it just prevent his challenges. Um, the only thing I do have to say, like now, you know, 15 years in, um, of marriage and of working together, we, we now have kind of, there are, there are, there are philosophies that we both now share that there are methods that we fall back on that we know have worked. And it's really the lessons that we've learned producing over the years. And so, when we work with other people, we know what we're talking about. We're both on the same page and, and that's where we are able to really, um, you know, band together and make a project successful because, you know, we're, we, we, um, we just speak the same language at some point, you know, in film. And now it does get, you know, it's like my producer hat, as a mom or if i'm starting to produce the family or whatnot you know right. that's when it gets problematic too but but we we deal with it they deal with it in my imagination i always i always have this thing because whenever i create something i have a certain possessiveness about it and i would have to i always imagine that it would be the same for any writer but when you're on a movie it's such a collaborative effort and you have to give up a certain amount of control in order to make that happen. Has that ever been difficult or is that, has that, it's like you go in, I knew this was going to happen. I'm okay with it. I'm just going to turn around. I'm not, I'm not going to look uh, just see what happens. Um, I think in the beginning it was, it was difficult, you know, especially, especially when I started producing the work that I had written and, um, that became a little more difficult because I, I what I have learned and I'm uh, I'm I'm much better at this is that you it, you know it's the story is rewritten a few times hmm. you write it as the writer then it you hand it over to the director and they almost rewrite it the actors get a hold of it now there's another layer and then it's in the editing room and there, you know, it's it like you're saying, it's a collaborative effort and it gets rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. And I just worked with them. I just worked with the writer uh, who had her work done for the first time. And she was just really having a hard time with it, of watching the changes or whatnot and being on set. And she, you know, tears and everything because it is something that you you just have to get, create. you have to accept. You have to develop a thick skin about it. You know, you can, there are protocols you have to follow if they, if you're allowed on set with, as a writer, mm -hmm. like you can't be talking to the actors and you know, try to, you know, so I, I have learned all that and it was not easy in the beginning, but you know, it's part of the, it's part of the uh, process. Have you ever had an instance where you've written something and it has been changed at some point, whether through the actor's interpretation or a directorial sort of a thing, and then you just go, Wow, 
that's actually that's actually better or better. I really oh. I really like that. I, I didn't even oh, think about that. Oh my goodness. Divorce Bait, the 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 uh latest movie that's out, that is absolutely 100% and and these actors especially our our comedians are uh Im- who improvise all the time like they just took it to another level and honestly that has become the funnest part for me that it it went from zero to like a hundred because and it was way better than I even conceived it, you know. Or or um, the director, you know, in this case Patrick has found a moment in that a gem visually that you know was not even there. So so absolutely, it, it is actually one of my favorite things now. Yeah, I, I that's can't... why I actually like being on set to watch it because of how it morphs you know that's that's something i've always kind of dreamed of seeing behind the scenes being locked in the middle of the united states makes it a little more difficult to get onto any sort of mm-hmm. a set plus you know they say who are you why are you here we didn't invite you um <laughs> uh, so okay part of part of the the mission statement of of kind of what you're involved in is to uh, amplify Latino American storytelling. Um, have you faced any challenges in trying to accomplish that goal? Is there uh, differences in catering the stories towards a Latino market versus a broader U.S. market? Absolutely, we 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 hit some um, obstacles in the beginning for sure, and I mean there, there always are. But the, one of the first things we learned early on is that, like for example, in one of the, uh, the first ones that I produce, Lola's Love Shack, we didn't really focus on hiring an actor who had some sort of name or some sort of clout, right? And, um, you know, we just wanted to get the project done. Well, we found it really hard to sell the film. They were looking to who is in your movie, right? you know? And and then um, in the next one, we had... We, so for, in other words, we were able to bring in Chris Kattan and, um, and Eddie Ganem. She was on Devious Made. So that was very helpful and, and, you know, lesson learned. And then we got to sell it. Um, the, the, the next hurdle that we have, we have number one, and especially in the indie world is, you know, any, um, in trying to sell a movie, you have to have a name and we're all about, like you said, the Latinos, but, Selma Hayek, J Lo, um, all of these actors who are kind of they would sell a film, they are now aged out from, say, exam, you know, like in divorce bait. Right. She was thirty five years old, and or thir- mid thirties, and we we couldn't find someone in our budget indie world, you know, to be able to bring in and was going to just sell it. And honestly, I'm not sure. I can't think of names who maybe now like Jenna Ortega, like she was just hot. But anyway, so what we do is we surround them with other talent that might have a little more clout. And then we're kind of helping to bring to um, shed light on new talent, the future J-Lo's, the future Selma Hayek's. Um, And in this case, you know, Vanessa Vasquez in Divorce Mate, Eddie Ganem, in, in other words. So um, yeah, we've those we've learned the lessons and we've attempted to pivot. And and sometimes it has been hard. Like if it's if it's 
if it's a project that Patrick and I are working on, I wrote it and he's going to direct it. And then we produce it. We know the lessons, but if we're working with a new producer and this is a hired, you know, we're on, we're just hired guns. Sometimes it is a little hard to try to convince them, like, please let's focus on this formula because (laughs) they want to just, you know, give the opportunity and stuff. But if you want to sell a film, you can, anyone can make a film. If you want to sell your film, there are certain things that still in the marketplace, like we have to, you know, there's still changes, but if you want to sell your film, there are a few things that we have to do to, to help that happen. Well, it's clear that Vanessa has, has the chops for sure. She's doing quite good in national treasure. Uh, had the chance to to catch that recently. And oh, I have, you know, it's out and I've been waiting to see it with the family. Yeah. She's, she, she's the clear, she's the clear, I don't want to say clear star because that seems demeaning to the other individuals that work, but she pops in, in that production. Yeah. So I'm, I'm certain from, from what I have seen so far of Divorce Bait, she also pops in that. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that the rest of the way. Um, so, all right, small, Small uh, kind of ridiculous question. You mentioned working with Chris Catan. Was it difficult being uh, around him and not just kind of start doing the the head bob back and forth? We all had to restrain ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We had to take a moment before he walked on set and like, okay, everybody do it. Get it out of the system. Okay, bring him in. I, I just got to imagine how many times that's probably had to him and just the look on his face like, yes, I did that. Just kind of yeah, the, right? the head goes down into the table over and over again. Yeah. No, he, he's really he's really great. Um, we got to work with him, obviously, in, um, in other words. And um, we were a little more, I don't know, I was a little more, I was a little shyer, a little more restrained, a little like starstruck. And then he he came on to um, the last project that we did as well. Like, and, um, and this time... I, it was just different. Like he, we, I, I don't know. It was just, you know, a little more familiar. And so, um, I, we had a blast, like we had a blast on set and, you know, Luis Fonsi was on that one. So it was just fun. From everything I've he's, seen, he's he seems so like a great. sweet guy. Just Chris. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so what is it about a rom-com you think that resonates with audiences so much? Why, why is it that we as uh, as a person that's going to consume pop culture media will go back over and over and over again to this specific genre? I I think that it's love, right? The the pursuit of love and that I think is what what people are drawn to. I know that's what I'm drawn to. You know, who doesn't love love? you know, or, or a a good love story. And, um, I think that that's what that is, you know, even though we know that, you know, in the beginning, it's very telling who's going to come together, whatever. But I think it's that it's the pursuit of love, you know, um, no matter if you're already in a really great relationship or, or whatnot, you know, I think everybody appreciates that. Yeah, I, I I definitely go with that. It's it's uh, comforting, uh, uh, just a little bit of comfort food. Uh, you get, you know, that things are generally going to turn out okay at the end, and uh, things are going to win out. And that could be me. I probably would not make this set of decisions that would put me in this ridiculous situation, but that could be me. Yeah. <laughs> 
Definitely. Um, so in terms of rom-coms, if you had a top one or two rom-coms, I know you talked about John Hughes earlier, but uh, you know, if there's the, those films that you personally go back to, these are the ones that make me feel the best. What, what would be those rom-coms for you? Um, I'm trying to think, you know, I just, I saw Made in Manhattan uh, just recently again. And um, I really loved that one. Uh, I really loved it a lot. Um, what other ones that I go to that I, I could watch at any time? Um, hmm. I'm drawing a blank. But Made in <laughs> Manhattan was one. Made in Manhattan was one that just popped up. Um, and I, I, I definitely loved it. Um, Crazy Rich Asians was, was really fun, too. I've always been a fan of writing that takes the, the genre and then just tweaks it just a little bit and turns it yeah. on its head. Uh, um, sh uh, she's having a baby. Thinking oh my goodness. That, that one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Just the, just yeah, that moment. There's a moment in there that was just epic when I watched it where the music I think was, was something uh, where she, he was worried and he's crying and he's remembering and, um, you know, she's having the baby and, and I think something went wrong, yes. but the music and uh, that moment, like I get chills. It was just epic. Just like a dagger in the That's heart, you know, seeing yeah. Kevin Bacon standing there in the, in the yeah. scrubs and the hat and just not able to have an effect. It's like, uh, a little, oh, a little something. Oh, I forgot about that. Say anything is, I thought we were, you know, you're more, I was looking for more modern, but say anything is one that. Oh my goodness! I love I loved back then. I love now. Um, I don't remember the name of the 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 woman who the young woman who had played the guitar, Lily something. Oh right. And her her song Joe lies Joe lies when he cries. Just that the whole there's like all so many moments, so many moments in that movie. So part of what makes rom coms fun to me, and we talked a little bit about the the slapstick side of things, is the ridiculous situations that kind of that are written in to create these these funny moments have you ever had any instances where you're writing and you're you're having these leaps these fault you know weird leaps of logic to create the situation where you go this is going to be funny and then it just kind of like you know that actually that would never happen not even that it would have never happens like that there's just like one thing that's missing and you kind of find it on set or something to make it kind of get that formula going? Um, well, I, I'll, I'll I can talk about, uh, in divorce bait. Um, I, I do, I, the first pass at the, um, the, like my vomit script, um, I took <laughs> it back to our writing room and, and to our executive producer, who was also co write a co-writer. And, it was, we wanted to take it to another ridiculous like level, like you said. And so there's a, a scene in there that was the bicycle scene um, where this uh, former fling uh, is trying to get, you know, gain her att attention of the lead actress played by Vanessa Vasquez. And 
it, at first it was just written as a bike scene and really tender and loving. And, and uh, Ruben Islas was just like, oh, no, no, no. This is just too precious. Like, we need to take it to another level. Uh-huh. So we started just spitballing on the phone, like what ideas. And that's where that came, that he's a show off. And so he goes on and tries to show off on, you know, and put it on like on in social media, Instagram. And he ends up like breaking his leg and knocking a tooth out and half his butt cheek is hanging out of his pants. So that was one where it began as something very rom-com, something you find in a rom-com. So, you know, sweet. And it turned into absurdity at its finest when you're when you're trying to get people for the film that are going to resonate that are going to um, become the characters that you have written how much how much input does the average writer have towards the casting process is that something again where you just kind of have to let it go and hope that they find the people that will work or do you go it's like yeah i saw that person ah that's a no for me yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really depends on, you know, as a writer, uh, screen, well, especially screenwriters, you they might buy your script and they will go and they they just produce it and you have nothing to, to say. You know, you have no say in it at all. Um, I think that as an indie, from an indie perspective, um, in making an indie film, you can weigh in on it. And it depends on really like, you know, as I said, I'm usually a writer and I produce my stuff because I want to make, you know, I want to see it made. And I have had luckily a lot of input because I was the producer on it, you know? Right. Um, But normally it really depends. Like I just had a conversation with my friend who, you know, shot in Serbia and, the scripts were taken and then rewritten by the director and now it's completely different and their name doesn't even show up and they got a paycheck, but you know, there, it really just depends. Hmm. And honestly, if I had anything to say to writers, like um, there are some scripts for me where I've written them and I don't really, I will sell them and I don't, care what happens to them you know it's like okay i get paid and we're good um and so for a writer you really need to know like to what degree are you you know are you comfortable with that you know i talked to at a meeting with another writer um maria and she she said uh oh well i just you know everything i write is is precious to me and i'm like okay then that's what it is you know but for me there are some scripts i'm like i just i have detached you know i wrote them i got them out of my system my manager has them you can sell them is that what it was like with like the voice uh down in uh the voice work that you did uh i saw that that you were credited with that Uh, was it uh in mexico um, no, this was us. This was in Miami, and it was Miami. the Spanish version of the voice. It was called right. La Voz. Yeah, um, that one I was hired as uh, um, to write the stories of the contestants, and that was super fun. I got to interview them, and then I had to find their story that was going to go into the, um, you know, into the the, the show. Yeah, yeah. As the um, what do they call it? Not B roll, but 
on the flies or something, they cut away to them and give their little bios. You know, the, the, those uh, those always kind of struck me as like, you know, Jim's just an average family guy, but that's when tragedy struck. You know, just the, yeah. <laughs> the you actually, I actually had to. Yep, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, what is the conflict in their in their uh, lives? You know, what is the motive? What got them there? Like, what is the thing? Like, what is this obstacle? Yeah, no, it's. Very formulaic, <laughs> but it's fun. It's it's everything has its kind of as purpose. I've never been able to to do the the reality television, but I always felt like that was a bad moniker for it in the first place because it's it's not. Uh. <laughs> this particular, what I loved about um, La Voz, I don't know how they do it on The Voice, but on La Voz, like they focused on it was very family oriented, so there was never going to be the skeletons in the closet moment it was never like the 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 eps were like no no this is family this is good you know we find the obstacles but it's it's all positive it's never like you know like some seedy dark skeleton in the closet that comes out on the show so i really loved it i really liked working on it i like that a lot i've never been a big fan of the whole schadenfreude thing I, i just uh, why take joy in somebody else's pain? You're going to have it soon enough. That's mm. yeah. This is true. So okay. So memories from the set of divorce bait. Is there a moment from the production of the movie that is your favorite? That will be just this is the thing that I'm going to take with me to my grave. It is. It's. It's just a beautiful or a really funny thing or just a, a set of confluence and events that all came together and created something really cool. Um, I think that the, uh, the, I think the pool scene was memorable to me to try to put that together and just, um, I'll never forget it. I mean, just because number one, I had to do research for that. And um, I actually found someone I get for, for our, for your listeners. Um, There's a scene in there where it's a swingers, a swingers party. And I, um, you know, I had never been to one. I didn't know anyone who had attended. So I, 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 there was someone in a writing group who was like, Oh yeah, my friend, has started to do that. She got a divorce, whatever. So I interviewed her. And then, so (laughs) to see the, to see that, um, come to fruition and to, um, see how it all played out, uh, was fun. I mean, that's probably, it's one of the most memorable ones because it was just kind of even crazy to, to shoot it that day. We, We were in such a beautiful location, but it was also, it was also winter in California. It was in November. So it was cold. So those poor people like were in bathing suits. And, nice. Uh, just all about it was just fun. It was a lot of fun to shoot because it was just so silly. That is hilarious. What do you hope that people's takeaway is going to be from seeing the film? Well, um, you know, this is, this is a divorce bait is is a movie about a happily married but in, as insecure 
housewife who posts on social media that her husband and she are going to get divorced be, just to see who will hook up with them, right? And um, what I love about it is, you know, that her insecurities really got the most of her in this, in this, you know, and I feel like that's something that people can relate to, you know, about insecurities and about how maybe we should keep them in check because it can cause drama. Um, also, um, so I, 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 it's fun and, and, and it has a heart, you know, so what I, I just, it's, it's very entertaining, but I do hope that I do hope people laugh a lot. Um, you know, we, we've gone through a very, uh, hard two years with COVID and, and getting back. And, and so this is just really a lot of laughs. And so I hope that people just really walk away and have had a good time for the 90 minutes that they've been watching. They've been entertained. I have a feeling that they probably will. Uh, Everything that I've seen from it so far has been really funny. Um, All right. So I always have a couple of questions that have little to do with anything else, but we like to ask everybody. um, And it, we, tend to do the questions in a specific way for actors, I don't get a lot of chance to talk to writers. So I want to kind of change things around uh, a little bit on this. Um, So our podcast often talks a lot about the intersection of comic books and film and television. Uh, So I was going to start with, do you have any history, any, any, um, comic book stuff in the past that you were ever a fan of, or is that something that's completely outside your realm? Um, I haven't in a long time, but I do remember when I would go to Mexico city, there would be the Archie. They would sell, um, what is it? Is it Archie? Yeah, I think so. There's Archie comics, Jughead, Betty yeah, and Veronica. The Archie comics. And I would devour those and, and they would be in Spanish. So I, I was able to read Spanish. And so I, I loved them. I love, I, you know, I love them growing up, but I haven't really, um, I haven't gone back to comic books uh, since then. I have to admit. With, yeah. with all of them being so popular at the moment, I'm being, it seems like everything has been optioned into a television show or a film, or at least, it appears that way on the outside for all of us comic book people. We still have a list of a hundred different characters. It's like we want to see these into it. Keep going, <laughs> keep making. Yeah, yeah. But if you had a chance to write a comic book based television show or film, who would you like to write a story about? Or is there just something that feels comic booky that you would you would love to just dip your toes into? Mm, I would, I mean, if I had to, I, and again, I'm not a hundred percent familiar, but it would always be something female driven. I would love, I, I would love to see, you know, more female, um, heroines, you know, heroes and, um, what are they called? Superheroes. Um, I found the world of like, what is it? I think it was Wonder Woman. What is the the world called uh, where she came from? The mascara? I think so. Mm-hmm. That was really intriguing to me. Um, I just saw Wakanda Forever 
And, oh, I loved, I loved the female power that, that was there and, you know, that it was beautiful. So I, it would be anything that had, you know, it had to do with a, a female heroine or a superhero. If I had to do well, one. There are a lot of, there are a lot of good options. Uh, there's still a, a number of uh, female heroes that have not had adaptations at this point. So there's mm. so much good stuff. And some of the stuff that's been coming out has been great. I mean, I really enjoyed yeah. the She-Hulk television She-Hulk, show. She-Hulk, I was going to say. Oh. I devoured She-Hulk. That was, and I thought that was just so, so brilliant. Like it was just well done. The uh, um, I don't know about the ending. Well, it, and this is the thing that I talked to talk to my uh, several family members that are not as familiar with comics. I say that doesn't make any sense. It's like, well, you have to understand. You, it's the source material. This, the it wasn't maybe the original ending they were going to do, but it is in keeping. If you ever read the John Byrne run of She Hulk, yeah. That that's about right. That's about how something like this would happen, and it's and it's okay. still a lot of fun. I really yeah. enjoyed the uh, the Miss Marvel um, show, getting a, a oh. little glimpse not only into a female led, but into again bringing another culture uh, into it, oh. having a, a look into uh, into uh, being a member of of uh, an Islamic faith and, in the United States and things oh. like that. Uh, and getting a glimpse uh, of history of uh, India and Pakistan that I, mean, I didn't know anything about. You know, it's just that kind of stuff is so much fun. Yeah, uh, that's 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 the part that you know. That I, I'm glad you talked about. You're talking about that. I love that these worlds that you you can learn so much through them. You know, and and um, that's that that definitely is an educational part that I, I appreciate a lot. Definitely. Okay. Well, how about this? Let's go into just a silly. We talked about food binding everybody together. This is another question we ask everybody. Um, pizza. Most people love pizza. Are you a pizza person? I love pizza. I, I like, you know, I've gotten into the, in the last five years, the cauliflower pizza because it's almost guilt-free. The, but it has to be, I like a simple cauliflower pizza or regular pizza with pepperoni. Nothing else. Don't put any meat on it. Don't put anything else. There's just something and red crushed pepper on it. <laughs> and sometimes with a bark root beer, that combination right there is brilliant. I was going to say, if, you, if you've got three kids, I know you've got to have some, some go-to things like that. That's, that's going to, this is something that's going to please everybody and, you know, just get it, get it done sort of a thing. Yeah. 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 Definitely. The cauliflower is uh, a game changer. The cauliflower crust. That's 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 pretty. I didn't think I was going to like it when I tried it. It's like, oh, all right, this is okay. a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Just make sure it's super crispy. For our listeners out there that would like to see what the next big thing is for Christina Nava, what is the best way to keep uh, keep up on your new projects? Do you have good social media contacts? How do they follow you? So on Instagram, I am at I am Christina Nava, and there's no H in Christina, so C R I S T I N A. And then on Facebook, it's under my name, Christina Nava. And so, yeah, I've been trying to keep up with it um, more and more. <laughs> it, it's it's hard to do, especially if you have multiple accounts. It becomes a becomes a, a, a job almost on its own. I've heard some people can make a fine living. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I need to hire an intern. <laughs> Is anyone's interested? 
Well, uh, by the time this uh, episode airs, uh, your film will definitely be streaming on the streaming services. Please, please, please take a chance uh, uh, or take a, uh, the time to watch this film, Divorce Bait. It just looks fantastic. The cast is great. Uh, if you've listened to our show before, you know we've talked to Eric Fellows a couple times, and he's always very entertaining. And the, everything, it, it has a really, really nice presentation and polish. Uh, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. I do want to say that it is an adult comedy. It is yes. not really a rom-com. I would call it even a raunch-com. <laughs> there's a little... There's a little bit of raunch in there, kind of like Girls Trip or Bridesmaids, but American make pie. sure the kids are not around because I read somewhere <laughs> that, oh, I was sitting down with my five and 10 year old. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, that that's like a script on its own. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I'm, I, I say it all the time. Adult comedy. Get the kids out of the room, you know, but. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you again, and I cannot wait to talk me. to you again when you've got another project coming down the line and, and, and finding out more about that. Okay. Yeah, thank you for having me. I can't wait to be back with more projects. That means that I'm doing something right. Woo! <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Thank you.